Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Okay, we're back for another fun little episode of Dangerous World Podcast. Um, been talking with a lot of authors lately, and it seems like you guys seem to enjoy that. I mean, uh, you know, Susan Bradford kind of kicked off the whole author kick, and then um, I had on uh, Philip Fairbanks, and now I have on uh, Vince McLeod. And uh, he doesn't spell his name the way that you think. Obviously, you see his name in the title but uh man this guy is is an interesting dude for sure um to my knowledge first guy out of new zealand on the podcast here i've talked with a few aussies and um yeah man it's just kind of cool to uh to get different perspectives on i'm hoping to have an italian dude come on um actually a guy that was raised in ukraine or at least born in ukraine and uh he has an interesting take on the propaganda. So I'm trying to kind of reach out in different little corners of the world here. Um, obviously, we're mostly going to be talking to westernized countries just because that's the way that it goes, right? I mean, we talked with the lady from Morocco, one of the early episodes, and uh, that one was interesting to say the least. It was a fun conversation. And uh, I just think that y- you get a lot of value out of talking with these different people from these different perspectives. Now, of course, Vince here wrote a few books but the one that we're mostly touching on here is clown world chronicles sounds like uh according to him it's like a 300 plus page book i'm actually about to get one myself because you can go to his website which i'm going to pull up here for my own reference um gotta keep this intro short but it is truly an incredible um it's vjm publishing dot nz i believe I just want to double check that because there is a .com, but that is not the correct one. You want to make sure it's .nz, again, out of New Zealand. But um, that's, again, vjmpublishing.nz. Dude's written a few books, man. And what I kind of found out on accident is that he also created his own religion called Elementalism. Now, I'd never heard of this, um, but this guy seems like a very cool, just chill, laid-back guy. Like you kind of get the stereotype of these New Zealanders and these Australians. They seem like just like they like to relax. They seem like they like to be outside. A lot of them are, you know, about their family and about like just living life and and what life means, right? Um, Now, there's quite a few books from VJM Publishing. Uh, Elemental Elementalism is uh, a book about his religion that he founded. And then, uh, yeah, man, just a, a really interesting thing. And when you get into, if you go to the site and you go to the, the right-hand side of the, the uh, page, you can click on all these different books. And if you go to Clown World Chronicles, you'll see some really interesting layouts and some 
you know, just ways that he kind of makes it so that you could hopefully understand what is covered in the book. Talk about concepts like neoliberalism, uh, the alt-right, the alt-left, the alt-center, the great awakening, um, some of the psychology in clown world, uh, struggle session, um, some of these words I can't even pronounce, bio-Leninism, virtue signaling, I know that one, um, groupthink, race neurosis, things like that, clown world denizens, some of the the, uh, the little characters that make this whole thing up, like the simp, the midwit the uh uh christ cuck <laughs> the uh nazi hippie then you go into some of the phenomena you have uh the boogaloo the uh muttoning incel rage paused all these things um so you get the idea here just a really really interesting little deal here and he even has the pantheon man this one was kind of funny to talk about keck pepe um chad stacy the coomer the doomer the boomer and it just kind of helps you to understand a little bit and i think that this is kind of an introduction to another episode that uh, vince and i will be doing more about a deep dive in 4chan and i might have to grab another buddy to come on and talk about 4chan because uh he seems to be kind of affiliated with the same things as well i don't want to mention any names here um but man you know, we all heard about 4chan when Q came around, but it's been around for some time, right? I mean, there's there, it's caused a lot of chaos, but even according to Vince, who seems like he's pretty downright in the middle, um, as far as the political ideologies go, he thinks that this is a great platform for people to just get their thoughts out there, whether they're harmful or not. That's kind of part of freedom. Freedom can be dangerous, right? But it's a lot more fulfilling than being in some sort of prison state or some sort of uh, clown world, as they might say. Um, just an incredible, incredible chat. Now, he was over in New Zealand, like I mentioned. We had some some interesting connection. And uh, about halfway through the episode, actually about at this point, about 40, 45 minutes into the episode, it's going to be interrupted because we had to cut it off and we spoke just two days later. Uh, our schedules don't work out. They're 19 hours ahead over there. So it's a, a, a essentially an entirely different day. And uh, so we had to line it up to where we finished off. So we, I tried to make it as fluid as possible, but I am going to put the music fading in and then fading back out. Um, so when you hear the music coming up in about 40, 45 minutes, the episode's not over. That is just the break. And then, of course, uh, you know, for the Patreon subscribers, you'll get the entire episode. And uh, you guys will get about an hour, as always. So I uh, just want to make that clear. But we talk about his religion. We talk about all these other really, really interesting concepts. Just one of those kind of cool conversations where it's free-flowing and all that good stuff. So enjoy the show. I know I've rambled a lot here. I'm not even going to plug any of my own shit. You know what to do if you're interested. Fuck, just look in the bio if you want to support the show, okay? Um, yeah, again, go to vjmpublishing.nz if you want to uh, check out Clown World Chronicles or Elemental Elementalism, which is the book on his religion. And with that being said, guys, don't forget, when the music first kicks up, the episode's not quite over yet, okay? Thanks, Vince, for your time, dude, and uh, shedding a little bit of light on your perspective. I appreciate it, brother. And uh, peace be with you. I don't know why I said that. Just enjoy the episode. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really, really excited to have the first New Zealander on the show, to my knowledge. I don't think we've spoken with any other uh, people from down in your area. Uh, had a few Australians, but um, from what I understand, dude, it seems like you know people get really upset if you accuse a New Zealander from being from Australia and vice versa. You guys are very, very proud of where you come from, which is dope. I love that whole idea. Um, but of course, I'm talking about Vince McLeod author of the clown world chronicles which i'm really excited to get into um it seems like you wrote this book and it's like just a perfect time because we are living in an insane insane world man so first of all vince how are you man hi ryan i'm doing really well i'm here in new zealand yeah i noticed that uh, a lot of new zealanders don't like to be called australians it's the same way that uh, canadians generally don't like to be called americans sure. i personally don't sure. care like I understand, I've traveled around the world. I understand that uh, the differences between Kiwis and Australians are extremely small. So I'm not too fussed either way, although it is factually more accurate to uh, call me a New Zealander. Yeah, I'm doing well. Just uh, trying to keep the head above water in clown world here, trying to keep some money coming in and uh, just trying to stay sane, generally speaking. Yeah, man. And, you know, I'm glad that right out the gate you called yourself a Kiwi because you never know being from America in these politically correct times. I don't know if that's like appropriate for an American to call a New Zealander a Kiwi. Is that like an okay thing or is that sort of like uh, treading the line? You got to be friends with someone, be like know someone to call them that. No, it's standard. Like uh, New Zealanders, we generally refer to ourselves as Kiwis. Okay. New Zealand is kind of a bit formal and Kiwi is a lot more casual. So in everyday speech, we just say Kiwi. Nice. Okay. Well, good. So, I mean, hey, dude, I'll call you a Kiwi all day. Then I like that. I think it sounds better. You know what I mean? It's nice and quick. But um, first yep. of all, dude, what what inspired you to write this book, man? Was it just you seeing the world fall apart? I mean, you know, because we see a lot of people kind of hopping on board with the idea that shit's kind of fucked up. And, and I think that you might see things that way. New Zealand, we've obviously seen in the news a lot. Your uh, your leader there is very, very interesting, right? She's a weirdo. And, uh, I mean, you know, I don't know how, how much you want to talk about her, but what what got you into writing this kind of stuff? Uh, well, I follow the debates. I follow what people say online a lot. I spend a lot of time on places like uh, 4chan on Poll because it's one of the only places you can really honestly talk about uh, what's going on in the world without getting banned or shadow banned or censored in other ways. And a lot of people on there, they were talking about uh, how the world has just become one big clown world. Seems like uh, the world no longer makes much sense. Uh, the people running the world, they obviously don't really know what they're doing. They've screwed everything up. They've uh, led us into catastrophe, economic catastrophe, political catastrophe. Like we were speaking about earlier, the average worker doesn't earn enough money to even own their own home anymore. So we're actually considerably poorer than what the average worker was 40 or 50 years ago even though that's not admitted by the mainstream media and by the politicians who run that mainstream media. Uh, in terms of uh, society, things have also gotten a lot worse. Society's social cohesion seems to be crumbling. People don't trust each other anymore. People, are, people don't know their neighbours anymore. People are, are losing touch of uh, their community groups, their families. So um, generally, the whole world seems to be going down the toilet. And that's what inspired the idea that people describe it as a clown world. Clown world because it seems like a twisted circus where everything is really upside down. Everything's the opposite of how it should be. You can't speak the truth anymore. And um, so things are things are really becoming really strange. So I thought I'd write Clown World Chronicles in an effort to explain to people what's going on, to explain to people 
why we got into the situation, how we got into the situation, and how we can get out of it. So do you cite some some historical laws kind of going into place or or being signed into order? Because obviously, you know, another thing that we mentioned is that New Zealand and the United States, along with Canada, um, Australia is really part of it, too. And, um, you know, the UK, the part of the five eyes. Right. I mean, we all share intelligence yeah, right. and then we, we funnel it back to the UK. Um, I'm sure that you're pretty tapped in to laws that that are put into place here in the United States. Do you cite yep. throughout Clown World Chronicles? Do you cite laws that really have kind of removed our rights and pushed us toward, as you call it, the clown world? Yeah, I cite a bunch of laws, but uh, most of the book is based around explaining the psychology underneath it. Mm. So I'm explaining the psychology of uh, what motivated our ruling class to introduce such restrictive laws, restricting our freedoms, and how they manipulate us into accepting these laws and going along with it. So um, a lot of it's about how we've been manipulated into accepting things that go against our own interests by the the ruling classes who are really the international banking and finance interests who control the world. You know, dude, it's so interesting that you bring that up because I'm actually for the next episode that I'm working on the one that will air after this one here, I'm looking into this whole satanic agenda that has been being pushed. I don't know where you sit on the religious, you know, side of things. And I'm, you know, you don't have to answer any of those kinds of questions if you don't want. I consider myself agnostic. My audience knows that, but I'm really leaning towards Christianity because I see so much of a Luciferian aspect from these leaders. And there's a dude, right. Paul McGuire, McGear. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, he no. talks. He talked about this back in 2012, man, where for some reason, the psychology of these leaders has been so warped to where he i think he he feels paul mcguire thinks that what they're doing in their minds is actually right you know what i mean and and they don't think that they're doing this stuff from a yeah. tyrannical perspective is that kind of where you sit on this yeah yeah they don't really believe that um they don't believe in anything other than power seems like our own our own ruling classes they treat power as it's a good in itself and you see that like if you read 1984 George Orwell explains that the ruling class, they really seek power for its own end, and they don't really care to uh, to what ends the power is used for. They just want more and more power, more and more control. And you see mm-hmm. that in the way that our laws are going, where they're trying to wind up, uh, wind up our freedoms for just about everything you can think of, not only free speech rights, but firearms rights, uh, rights to use spiritual sacraments are gone, our rights to a lot of things are, are disappearing. And it's really all because the ruling class desires more and more power for itself and less for us. And is this because they want to perpetuate like a caste system or, I mean, they just want to keep their own people in power. Why in your mind, why do they just want power? Cause that's something so foreign to me, you know, and I don't disagree with you at all, but it's just like, you know, I just want to be left alone and I want to be able to make enough for myself to succeed and to be happy in life. And then maybe a little extra. Yep. But that doesn't mean I want to go and fuck over random people that I don't know. Yeah. But it seems like they're very different in that. Why do you think that is? Yeah. Well, you saw t- just yesterday was uh, 29 years since the Waco massacre, where mm. um, the, the, the government went in and um, those people who are trying to live freely 
and uh, away from government interference in the Waco compound were were all murdered. They set the government set the Waco compound on fire and killed about eighty people. I think it was eighty one people. So what you can see is that the government isn't going to leave you alone. I think the 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 power it's simply an anim, animalistic desire. It comes from the lower part of the 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 the, the being. And this is why I think it gets tied in with Satanism, because it really is just animalistic desire for control. It's the same way that a lot of people animalistically desire more money. You have in our society, a lot of people uh, try and accumulate as much money as possible, and they've got no consideration for whether or not they need it or whether or not other people have to suffer through going without money. It's the same as power. It's just a a bestial desire that hasn't ever been questioned, because the, the ruling class, they don't really do philosophy anymore. And they don't really do self-inquiry. So they don't ask themselves why they desire this power. They just have this desire and they just act on it. Yeah, there was a progression. I don't know what it was like. Have you lived in New Zealand your whole life? I've lived overseas for about four or five years, or about four years in total. I spent some time in, I spent a week in California, but I mostly spent uh, the rest of that time living in Northern Europe. Like I spent a couple of years in Sweden and half a year in Germany half a year in the rest of Scandinavia. So I've, I've seen a few things, but um, yeah, mostly, mostly based in New Zealand now. Nice. Well, I, I, cause I was just curious, you know, we have been being pushed farther and farther to the idea that greed is good, right? Um, this used to not be the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously when our ancestors were around, um, you know, and, and, and depending on, you know, there's indigenous people in every single continent, whether it's, you know, Australia, New Zealand, uh, you know, Asia, the United States, South America, every single landmass has these people that were there. And it seemed like they lived off the land. They were willing to share. But... The oh, are we freezing? All right. Am I, you got me? Yeah, yeah your your um, recording was just freezing up on, on my feed. Oh, it's all good. I can edit. Connections unstable. I oh, know. It's all good. I can edit this stuff out. Where did I leave off? For you. Yeah, you were talking about indigenous people in every continent. Yeah. So, I mean, the idea of of these people not, you know, really being overly greedy, right? Obviously, war and and conquest has always been a part of all these different people. But um, the 80s. The the 1980s here, at least in the United States, it seems that stuff completely starts just going crazy and it's like you need to have multiple cars you need to have big houses you need to go ski and aspen and you need to do all these things you need a vacation once a year right and and greed got really popularized and it's like a positive thing and now it's gotten to a level where the corporations are just all too powerful because once people are willing to spend money to a level that is just obscene all that money's funneled back to more and more powerful people. It's a wealth transfer of sorts, right? Yep. Yep. It's, yeah, well, there's a why. chapter about that in Clarewell Chronicles about neoliberalism, because neoliberalism was really the economic paradigm that was introduced in the 1980s, primarily by Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher in Britain, of course. But um, New Zealand, we just follow along that sort of thing. So we introduced neoliberalism as well under David Longy, who was the prime minister of New Zealand at the time. But it's the same deal. We basically, now we just worship money. We don't care so much about the community. We don't care about uh, people who are poor. You know, the, the logic now is that if you're poor, you deserve it. And you have less merit as a person. You deserve to suffer on account of being poor. Wealth is merit. 
if you're wealthy, you're a better person than if you're a poor person. And um, really, mm. a lot of it comes down to uh, the fact that we've abandoned the the spiritual underpinnings of our lives. We no longer have that anymore. We just have money. All people care about is money. Anybody who talks about spirituality now doesn't really is considered to not understand the meaning of life. The meaning of life being consumption, more and more consumption. If mm. you're worried about things like spirituality, you're considered to be a bit crazy. You know, just uh, someone who's He's lost touch with things. You know, it's so, dude, I couldn't agree more with you, but I, I also feel like the spirituality aspect of things has been completely hijacked. Um, spirituality yeah. has become something that is very important to a lot of people, but I think that it's it's kind of being perpetuated in a very, very bastardized fashion. Um, I think yeah. that, you know, Hinduism and Buddhism and these religions that are really, really difficult to understand are becoming popularized. And so it's almost right. like us as, as humans, these really educated animals at the end of the day, that's what we are. We're our, our, you know, muscles couldn't evolve as fast as like a lion's did. And so our brains yeah, had yeah. to evolve. And so then we have this like whole weird dichotomy of, you know, we're very, very smart. We're almost at the top of the food chain. I mean, we wouldn't be, we, we are at the top of the food chain, but we wouldn't be there if we didn't have this, highly evolved brain and and it's just it's a weird concept that um you know why can't we just settle somewhere in the middle of greed and like materialism and then also uh you know just not not being complete animals at the end of the day you know there was a video dude that i just saw here in in atlanta um a cop working on something on his car and you see this dude walk up behind yeah. him and just shoot him in the back of the head. And then he takes shit out of his pockets yeah, yeah. and then walks away. Yeah. And it's in a black yeah, neighborhood. Yeah. He's a black cop. And it's like, dude, yeah. that's an that's animal behavior. You know, you see someone that's yeah. that's weak. Um, yes, it's a cop. He's got the, the yeah. badge and he's got all this stuff behind him. But then, I mean, this this guy just gets murdered in cold blood, broad daylight. And no one does yeah, shit yeah. to protect him. You know, it's yeah, yeah. just so weird. Yeah, yeah. No, well, to me, that is that is pure clown world. I mean, clown world is an example of uh, of uh, the absence of spirituality. In clown world chronicles, I talk mm. about something called the clown world fork. The clown world fork, where the average person is given one of two choices, and they're not allowed any other choices. The two choices are either you worship nothing and become an atheist and a materialist, and you believe that life is meaningless, or you worship Rabbi Yeshua ben Yosef, and you become a Christian. There's mm-hmm. no other options available. And you're talking before about Hinduism and Buddhism. Now, the interesting thing about Hinduism and Buddhism is these are actually related to the religions that would have been practiced by our European ancestors before Europe was invaded by Abrahamists and forced to become Christian. So Hinduism and Buddhism, the reason why I think they're making a comeback is because a lot of people in the West feel like uh, these religions answer a lot of the spiritual questions that people naturally have as a result of being living beings in this, in this strange and incomprehensible world. So I think that um, the, the way out of clown world is when you see a, you're going to see a revival of genuine religious tradition coming in the next, say, 10 or 20 or so years. And I think that's going to lead us out of clown world. I think it's going to lead us to a, a new spiritual understanding. Because the problem you have now, like I mentioned before, the clown world fork, is either you're you're not allowed to believe in anything divine at all, or you're forced to follow this very specific Christian conception. 
And the problem with these two ideas is that they have poisoned the well of spirituality. So a lot of people have turned away from spirituality in general and think it's just kookery and just nonsense. But the problem is we as humans, we are fundamentally spiritually beings. We are fundamentally spiritual beings. We are we have this connection to the divine that we have to we have to nurture, otherwise we become lost. And and like you say, we can with a with a complete loss of a, a spiritual uh, alignment, we can go around shooting people in broad daylight just for just for a bit of cash. Mm-hmm. Or a gun that you can use for protection. I mean, a lot. I mean, the guy is probably already a felon if you're going to go up and just shoot a cop in the back of the head. So he probably can't get easy access to a gun, right? I would argue, actually, in the yeah. United States, if you're a, a criminal that has no, uh, you know, they don't even have any intention of buying a legal gun, you can just go. I mean, it's very easy yeah. to find a gun if you want to, if you want to buy it illegally. Um, and you got a little bit yeah, of cash. Yeah. But yeah, dude. Um, yeah. It's really unfortunate. Where do you stand on the whole Christian thing? Because uh, you mentioned, you know, the Luciferian rulers of the world. Um, But then um, from the undertones of what you're saying, I'm kind of picking up a vibe that that you may think that Christianity is kind of like the tyrannical religion. They have they have definitely got their spouts throughout time. Right. Where where that has been the case. But um, yeah, there's yeah. something going on yeah, with yeah. that whole thing. Where do you stand on that whole uh, Luciferian elite idea? Uh, well, I think Luciferianism is is great, honestly. Like uh, Lucifer, Lucifer is a term that means light bearer, and the original cult of Lucifer was something that existed in the late Roman Empire around 200, 300 AD, where people worship Lucifer in the same way that they used to worship Hermes and Apollo and Prometheus and the other, the other mythical figures who have been associated with the bringing of the light to people, because in a state of nature, the human animal is born into a state of extreme ignorance. We don't know anything. We're brought into this world, essentially a a dumb kind of monkey. And we need to come up with, we need to discover the truth for ourselves. And so Lucifer represents to me, Lucifer represents a force that wishes to bring enlightenment and knowledge to the human species. And that's, that's really what I'm trying to do myself. I know that a lot of the ruling class are Luciferians, but um, the difficulty they have is that um, human beings are not particularly rational in, a, in, a, in their natural state, which is one of the reasons why I wrote Clan World Chronicles. I was really hoping to, in my own way, bring some light to the, to the human species by explaining what's going on in the, the, the basic in the background now regarding christianity uh, the way i see it is like if you if you look at the real golden age of uh, european civilization of western civilization it was from about when homer wrote odyssey in the iliad about 800 bc all the way through to about 400 ad when uh, the eleusinian mysteries were destroyed now the eleusinian mysteries were they were the way that um, people in ancient Greece used to commune with God. So the Eleusinian mysteries that that all meet once a year in Eleusis in, in Greece, and they'd partake in this ceremony where they drank a substance called the kaikion. Now, this kaikion was believed to contain a psychedelic drug. Psychedelic means soul revealing. In other words, something that a substance that reveals the soul to the participants. So the participants in the Eleusinian mysteries would drink the substance and it would reveal their own souls to them, and they'd become essentially enlightened in the, in, the, in the sense that you can become enlightened once you understand the spiritual truths. 
And what happened was Christians destroyed these Eleusinian mysteries in about 400 AD when they went through Europe and destroyed all of the native European traditions, uh, the native European religions. They murdered Hypatia, the, the great philosopher at the, the Library of Alexandria. And then we went into a dark age for about 1,200 years. And then the Great Awakening. We were only allowed to, yeah, and then, then the Great Awakening started to happen about, um, about 1,500 AD, 1,600 AD. Now, this is called the Renaissance in, in common thought, but I call it the minor Renaissance because all it did was bring back the, the spiritual, I mean, sorry, all it did was bring back the scientific and the political understandings of the ancient Greek or Roman world. It didn't bring back the ancient spiritual understandings which is something I call the major renaissance, which is yet to happen. And I believe it's underway at the moment. Like you can see that Mm. there's a lot of people out there who are rediscovering the ancient European religions, in particular through the use of psychedelic sacraments such as psilocybin. Now I've seen that on the West coast of America where you are, it's um, now become legal to, to take psilocybin mushrooms again, because people are once again becoming aware of the great therapeutic and uh, spiritual benefits of these substances. So uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, I'm a big fan of magic mushrooms. You see my company logo. Yeah. And I saw a, that on the bottom of your book, dude. Yeah. And I was like, what yeah. is that? And I was like, oh shit, that's some mushrooms. I love it. I yeah. love it. Well, the reason why I have that is because um, up until I was about 27, 28, I lived in a profound state of spiritual ignorance. I was aware of, of some things about spirituality, but I genuinely believed that um, the, the physical body was the basis of reality and that when the physical body died, my consciousness would die and I'd disappear and that would be the end of it. You know, I was a materialist in other words, Mm. but when I took magic mushrooms the first time, as so many of my European ancestors would have done when they partook in the Eleusinian mysteries, I became aware that consciousness is actually the fundamental basis of reality. And this consciousness, the consciousness that I possess, that you possess, that all of us possess, it's actually a fragment of God, which has extruded itself into the material world and which animates this body. But the body is not the fundamental true basis of reality, but rather consciousness is. Now, this is a, this is a fact which is, um, the Hindus never forgot this fact. The Hindus call the material world Maya, which they understand to be illusion. And they understand that consciousness is the fundamental basis of reality, which they call Brahman. So that's what they mean when they say, for example, in the Bhagavad Gita, that uh, Brahman is the fundamental basis of reality. So in my opinion, one way that we overcome clown world is by bringing back this ancient knowledge and, and enlightening people again. Yeah, dude, you said so much there. That's like really, really interesting to me. There's, uh, you know, the, the Brahmins, a lot of the, the science fiction, like, you know, futuristic, maybe even like dystopian books are based on Brahmin research and like Brahmin works, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of it is. Yeah. So I don't know, man, I, I, I'm really at this point in my life personally where I'm really, really conflicted with what spiritualism is because I oh, see yeah. so many false prophets and I'm not saying anyone that you would know, or, you know, not me, not you just, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of people out there that are promoting one idea of thought. And then yep. you get to know them a little bit and they go the completely opposite way. You know, people talking about burying their ego uh, people talking about all this other shit. It's like, dude, you can't really bury your ego in a time like this. You really can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? No. Like you're you're selling a book. I'm running a podcast. You have to have an ego to do these things. You have to get out yeah. there and you have to you have to put your name out there and you have to yeah, be yeah. proud. You have to stand behind your work, right? I'm not saying being yeah. egocentric, 
but I'm saying, you know, you have to, you have to have some balls and you have to be like, okay, I'm saying this and you know, you can come at me if you think that I'm wrong or we can have a debate about it or whatever. But um, burying the ego in a time like this is not something that I, I find even really possible. If you're trying to succeed in a world like we have today yeah. in the clown world. Right. So yeah, right. Yeah. It, it's, it's uh it's an interesting little thing where you see um, the Luciferians, like you say, how they're, how they're part of the government. They're very, very, I mean, there's a high percentage of these people where you see yep. that straight up that what they're doing, you can't really identify any other religion other than like, okay, this is dark. What they're doing is dark. They're trying to take things away from us. They're trying to make it so that our lives are harder so that they gain more power. Like you said, power by any means. That, to me, is something that falls in line with Hinduism. Um, Tulsi Gabbard is a Hindu, right? And I spoke with uh, Susan Bradford about this. And I'm not saying she's the end-all, be-all when when it comes to this kind of information. But um, what she found really interesting about Hinduism and these spiritual religions is that you go forward and you try and progress the world, but you got to make sure that you keep yourself in a spot where you can continue uh, getting the agenda across that you want. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out just for me personally, this is, you know, just a selfish question. I'm just trying to kind of figure out where you sit on that whole, you know, spiritual spectrum. Do you think that spirituality, the way that it's being pushed is a negative thing? Or do you think like, do you think that we should become highly evolved beings or do you think that we should kind of be dumbed down and be animals that are living kind of the way that God or the creator, so to speak, wanted us to intentionally live? Just, you know, getting by being part of the land, um, enjoying, you know, looking for food. Or do you think that like social media and all these things that we clearly both benefit from? Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Well, to me, it's the sort of thing where a balance has to be struck. Like, to me, I don't believe it's inherently good or bad. Mm. I think that it's important to find the right balance between the two. Like, it's the same when it comes to egotism. You're perfectly correct when you say that if a person's going to put themselves forwards and try and sell a book and make a living, then they have to be egotistical to some extent. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't believe that um, we're morally obliged to destroy the ego. Now, the great English philosopher, Alan Watts, he said that the game of trying to destroy your ego and bury the ego is one of the biggest ego trips of all. And he mm. was perfectly right when he said that, because there are a lot of people out there who they want to get rid of their ego because their own ego wants to present them to the world as egoless. And that's the problem. You've got people who are so egotistical that they, they, want, they want everyone in the world to see them as some kind of spiritual master or a spiritual guru. Mm. And um, this motivates a lot of people to try and get rid of their ego. Now, that's paradoxical, of course, because you can't get rid of your ego for egotistical reasons. But that's why I say that we need to strike a balance. It's important to have enough ego to defend oneself and uh, to defend one's loved ones and one territory and so on. But it's also important not to have so much ego that one believes that one is destined to rule over the entire world and everybody else has to submit to you. So I think, yeah, it's about striking a balance. It's a good point, dude. Yeah, you don't want to become like messianic, right? You don't want to think that yeah, you're like right. the, the second coming of Jesus, which some people actually say that they are. It's it's insane to me. Yeah. Um, well, I think these people have just let their egos get out of control and they think that they are the number one most greatest entity out there in the entire world. 
Whereas for me, I think it's, yeah, it's more about finding a balance. Yeah, dude, you bring up a good point there. That's really interesting. So, so as far as you say, like, so you, you, you strike me as someone that's more agnostic, like myself. Is that how you kind of fall on the spectrum of things? I don't mean to pry. I'm just really curious, man. Oh, that's all right. Um, I'm what's called an elementalist. This is a religion that I've actually founded myself. Elementalism is the belief that other religions have accreted so much, so much unnecessary baggage that it's time to go back to the basic elements of reality. The first tenet of elementalism is that consciousness is the prima materia. So I consider myself 100% spiritual in the sense that I understand that I am fundamentally a spiritual being having a human experience. And that this human experience that I'm experiencing right now is not fundamentally what I am. What I fundamentally am is the consciousness that observes this human experience. And when this human body dies, my consciousness will return to God. And then I'll reincarnate again as some other being in line with um, the Indo-European beliefs of my ancestors and and in line with the Hindu beliefs. Because if you look at, uh, for example, Plato, he wrote in Timaeus that uh, the consciousness is the prima materia and that when the physical body dies, the consciousness will simply reincarnate in another form. Now, this was um, this was natural Indo-European belief before the Christians come along with their heaven and hell narrative and suggested that we only get one shot at life. And then once your one shot is over, then you're judged for eternity. Now, I find that um, I, I don't I don't uh, I don't have a lot of time for this particular narrative because I think it's manipulative. Isn't so, that a um, terrifying concept too? Like it's like you got to make you got to get this right this one time, and you only have one chance. What happens if you have like cancer as a child? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. it's what well, it is terrifying. But to me, that's um, that's part of the evil of it. Is I think the people pushing this particular belief they benefit from fear, and they want people uh, to feel afraid uh, because this fear is more likely to make them fall in line. That's why I um I think Hinduism, the Hindu conception, is very beautiful because um you can you can reincarnate an infinite number of times. It suggests that we already have it incarnated an infinite number of times in, in all manner of previous bodies and all manner of previous beings. So um, that's that's closer to my personal uh, understanding of reality. And um, so the Hinduism, the Hindu conception is fairly close to my own personal religious beliefs that I call elementalism. But um, it's not, um, elementalism doesn't contradict Hinduism at any real point. It just kind of updates the perennial philosophy that has always been understood since ancient Egypt going back 6,000 years, perhaps even 8,000 years. It updates this perennial philosophy for the digital age because Mm. now people think in terms of computers and they think in terms of fractals, for example. My book, Elemental Elementalism, it talks a lot about what's called the great fractal. The belief is that the entire physical world is really just one gigantic fractal and that we're just, uh, our bodies are just subfractals within this big fractal. And how the, the the actual basis of reality is the consciousness behind all of this, which uh, you and I and each other person that exists is a fragment of. Damn, yeah. dude, that's really interesting yeah. to me. I mean, so so elementalism, it's called, right? Yep. yep. And and this is a religion that you started. Yeah, I founded it with a book called Elemental Elementalism, which you can also buy off Amazon. You can get it the same place as you can get uh, Clown World Chronicles. You can just see it on Amazon there under VJM Publishing. And um, in Elemental Elementalism, I wrote down all of the spiritual insight that I'd been able to gather through my last 12 or 13 years of really experimenting with um, spiritual sacraments and uh, meditating. I spent a lot of time just staying up at night, uh, thinking about the nature of reality. 
And um, so Elemental Elementalism contains all of the wisdom, at least what I call wisdom, that I've accumulated during this time. So it's really an attempt to explain to a living human being the truth about the nature of reality. And and you don't strike me as a poser. You definitely partake in some uh, psychedelics. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. I, I love psychedelics. I try not to use them too much because I believe um, I believe what Alan Watts said. He said, when you get the message, you should hang up the phone. And that's true. Like, I think um, once you've taken enough psychedelics that you you understand what's going on, you don't really need to take a whole lot more. And if you look in ancient Greece, in the Eleusinian Mysteries, they only did those once every year. So um, I don't I don't think it's really necessary to take psychedelics more than perhaps once a year or once every six months. But um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely have done a lot of them, including uh, LSD, including mescaline, including salvia divinorum, mm. and uh, DMT, dimethyltryptamine. That's that's amazing. DMT is uh, DMT is really something else. Like if you want to see the truth about the nature of reality, DMT's DMT will show you some things. Have you but, taken um, an ayahuasca that, ride yet? Yeah, ayahuasca is DMT, so it's kind of um, it is it is like uh, DMT. It just lasts for a lot longer. Like if you smoke DMT, it'll last for about five or ten minutes. But yeah, yeah. if you drink ayahuasca, it'll last for hours. Yeah. So have you have you done the like the actual ayahuasca drinking it or or you smoke it or? No, ayahuasca. I've never I've never tried drinking ayahuasca before. It seems terrifying. But, um, yeah, no, it seems it seems pretty intense. Yeah. Right. But um, I've done some heavy doses of magic mushrooms, so I know I've got a decent idea of what the experience would be like. But um, yeah, no. From what I've heard, um, an ayahuasca trip can really transform a person's reality, totally transform a person's reality and being. You know, make them into an, a, an enlightened person. So when you when you founded Elementalism, was that like solely due to your your experiences with psychedelics? Is that what really pushed you to create this religion? Yeah, a lot of it comes from meditation as well. Like, I'm a big fan of psychedelics. I think psychedelics are great, but I consider psychedelics the yang to the yin of meditation, and you need to have a balance of both. So I think that a person, if you're into spirituality, you ought to spend a lot of time meditating and trying to trying to master your own thoughts and becoming at peace with your own thoughts and becoming at peace with yourself as a living being that's going to die. I think that's the most important thing, because once you're at peace with yourself as a living being that's going to die, you can you can start to have peaceful thoughts about what's after them, about the nature of eternity and so on. So we got we got interrupted and you know we were in the middle of a great conversation and you know obviously talking about Crown, Clown World Chronicles and man it's uh you know technology's a bitch dude you know so we're getting kind of fucked over here but we're going to make the best of it and we left off talking about elementalism which is the religion that you spawned um also you know we touched on burying the ego which is something that I definitely want to get in with uh with you about uh neoliberalism um spirituality and how that whole thing ties in and there was something really interesting that you were kind of alluding to as far as luciferianism but you mentioned that we're not going to get back to a less animalistic world where people aren't just shooting each other over like you know whatever money is in their pocket or the pistol that they have on their hip or whatever um, until we get back to a more religious world. Um, let's start there, dude. You yeah. know, 
are you familiar with the whole like gold age, the silver age, the copper age, the dark age? Are you are you into all that shit? Yeah, this is actually that's actually a fundamental part of elementalism because elementalism believes um in gold and silver and iron and, and clay. Those are those are considered the four masculine elements and they make up the great masculine axis. Mm. So the, the idea of the golden age, uh that's actually inherent in the quadrigitu. If you see the if you see the symbol of elementalism, which is on the front of Elemental Elementalism, the book, the symbol's called the quadrigitu, and that actually represents the cycle of of uh times going through these ages it um it represents how time passes into a golden age and then regresses into a silver age and then an iron age and then you have conflict and then you have uh the the reinstitution of a new golden age so yeah this is all part of elementalism that's so funny dude because you know so so you're saying the iron would be the copper um which you know i'm not saying that you're wrong this is just something that i'd heard was that and tell me if I'm off from your research here, but you know you have the gold age, and the the uh ruling power of the gold age is the church, it's the religious right, and then you move into the silver age, sure. you get the military, the military is in power during the silver age uh this is i mean a lot of people would think that this is like World War one, World War two as far as modern somewhat modern times go, and then you move into what you're calling the yeah. Iron Age what I call the copper age. Um, and this is where the, the merchants rule, right? This is where like the technocracy comes into yeah. play. You've got fucking Amazon, yeah. you've got Tesla, you've got, you know, the, the corporatocracy coming into play. You've got corporatism in a sense, which I know is different than corporatocracy. And then after that, you have the dark age, yep. which is ruled by, you know, the slave. I mean, it's just complete and utter chaos. Am I off base with any of those? Yeah. Yeah. No, this is um, this seems this seems exactly right, and this is um, this concept of the ages comes straight out of Hinduism. Like the idea of a golden age is when you're ruled by the the spiritually aware people, and then when these spiritually aware people fall away, you fall into the silver age, which, like you said, is uh, ruled by warriors, the Kshatriya class in Hinduism, and then once that falls away, you fall into the um, what you call the copper age which is also, you can also call it the Iron Age or the Bronze Age is another way of referring to the same thing. Sure. And that's when you're ruled by the Vaishnya class, which is the merchants. And then once that falls away, you fall into the, the Dark Age, which the Hindus call the Kali Yuga, and uh, which you can call the Age of Clay. And uh, that's when you're basically ruled by the the lowest possible element. So you're ruled by basically bestial instincts during the Dark Age. And that seems to be what we're moving into. I, I, you took the words out of my mouth there, man. I was going to say, you know, clearly we are in the Copper Age, the Iron Age, or the Bronze Age, whatever we want to refer to it as. How far off do you think the Dark Age is? Uh, well, I think in a lot of ways we're actually in the Dark Age now. And, and that's what inspired me to write Clown World Chronicles. Clown World is really another way of saying Dark Age. Clown World um, really refers to the, this whole paradigm having hit its lowest possible point. So Clown World is, um, yeah, Clown World Chronicles, the name of the book is really intended to um, just chronicle what's going on in this particular dark age where we seem to be ruled by the lowest possible uh, element. Yeah. I mean, dude, yeah, we are definitely moving into some goofy, goofy shit. Um, I just think that we can yeah. go so much. I, I feel, at least as an American here, um, you know, I feel like things can get so much worse, man. And and I actually noticed like moving 
around on the street. You know, I drive all around. Uh, we're real close to Mexico here in Tucson specifically. Obviously, Arizona touches Mexico. Right. Um, but Tucson yeah. is south, very, very south. It's the, I mean, Yuma is the only other city that would be closer to Mexico, but it's also touching California. Um, but Tucson, yeah. I mean, we're we're right here on the border. You know what I mean? Pima County is, I think, the largest county that touches mexico um it's 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 a very diverse little area that we're in and man i am seeing the world fall apart here you know i i every week i'm starting to see like dude i actually and i i actually told this to my father man i i talk with my dad a lot about you know economics and and just like political issues you know he's he's an old school dude and you know dude i fucking saw for the first time ever in my life I saw someone sleeping in a cardboard box, man. You know what I mean? It's fucked up. It's fucked up. And then, you know, some dude was trying to sell me food stamps, which is like, basically it's like welfare where it's like, it's shit. That's only, you you know, you can only buy food with it. Um, So, I mean, I'd never experienced this. I'm 31 years old, dude. And, and it just seems like shit is falling apart, but I feel like it can get so much worse. I mean, you know, so I, that's why I'm just pushing back a little bit that I don't think we're in the dark age yet, but I will not deny that we're sliding into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think um, things can definitely get a lot worse in terms of uh, food shortages, in terms yeah. of um, like, if you look at other places in the world, they've got um, rolling brownouts of electricity. The electricity supply is unstable. Plumbing's unstable. Sewage supply is unstable. Roads are full of potholes. You know, there's still a lot of things that could potentially go worse. But um, the general trend is obvious. Like if you compare to, say, 15 or 20 years ago, mm. I think uh, there are very, very few people who would argue that things are better now than they were, say, 15 or 20 years ago. So the the general trend is pretty clear, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, I would definitely like to to say that, yeah. But, dude, I see right now in the united states which i'm sure that you're ta- you're it seems like you're pretty damn tapped into the way that the united states operates politically um if the conservatives yeah, as well, a whole like i said in, go ahead go no, ahead. No, like i said in the first part um we're still we're part of the one anglosphere really like the whole english speaking world really does go and go as one as one monolith even though it's technically yeah. divided into different countries it doesn't really operate as separate countries in practice you know we're just uh one monolithic culture that goes where the rest of it goes yeah there's some uh some areas like canada australia new zealand that kind of uh push social issues a little quicker it seems right i mean like with the lockdowns with covid um those three countries i mentioned they and even i mean the united states was kind of the most lenient when it came to the lockdowns um you know, we had obviously places liberal strongholds, and I'm I'm really interested where you stand on the whole liberal versus conservative ideology, um, or that spectrum, I should say. Um, but I mean, yeah, I would agree. You know, it, it tends to be like you know, if we're if if things are going good, it seems like United States leads the way, and then those other four countries of the Five Eyes nations, they follow the United States into this positive you know area where it's like, yeah, you've got cheaper gas prices. You've got, you know, more economic stability and blah, blah, blah. But then if we're heading into a more fascist state, you know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like we do follow, you know, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, especially Canada is the big one right now. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and also yeah, the UK. Yeah. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, no, I agree that um, we're definitely following along to a more authoritarian uh, uh, status. Like for my part, in terms of the the left wing, right wing spectrum, the liberal conservative spectrum, I'm not too fussed about that because I think uh, I accept that both of these positions have got um, have got good reasons for believing what they do. So I'm liberal in some areas and conservative in others. For example, I'm liberal in the sense that I don't believe in the war on drugs. I think it's an obvious failure. But I'm conservative in the sense that I believe that mass immigration of cheap labor is also an obvious failure. But um, the way that they trick us, the authoritarians divide us up into a red team and a blue team, and they get us to fight each other over these these various issues. But the reality is that... um, it's more, to my mind, it's more logical to think in terms of an authoritarian versus libertarian spectrum, where you have um, left-wing and right-wing authoritarians, both on the same side, really, and left-wing and right-wing libertarians, both on the same side, really. So I think um, I think there are other spectrums that are probably more important than the, the left-wing and right-wing run. I also think uh, in terms of globalism versus nationalism, that's probably a more important spectrum than the the left and the right one. Like, for example, um, I don't believe in globalism. I think it's a... a, Mm. a Globalism is really just ruled by the elites. (coughs) So nationalism works out a lot better for the people involved. Also, I believe there's a spectrum of uh, materialism versus spirituality, which is uh, probably more fundamental than left and right as well. So um, I reject the materialist side of things. I think materialism is an illusion. I think fundamentally, as I mentioned before, I think fundamentally um, we are spiritual beings having human experiences and not the other way around. Yeah. So, um, yeah, regarding liberal and conservative, I'm not too bothered. I kind of really take issues as they come up. Well, materialism, by its definition, it is a, a mirage right it's it's one of these fake things because it's material material shit really isn't real you can't take any of this stuff with you especially if you're following that That's entire right. idea which which you which you just laid down which i totally agree with i you know i think that we are spiritual beings um i just hate the way yeah. that spirituality is being pushed um the the way that it is yeah. i think that like i said you know the we we spoke obviously a couple of days ago the audience may not know this but, you know, we spoke a couple of days ago, had the disruption in our connection. And, you know, so we're kind of trying to rehash some of the stuff that we that we were getting into. And yeah, man, I mean, yep. the, the spirituality has been hijacked, just like all these other things. And you mentioned something really great Basically. where you mentioned, you know, left versus rights bullshit. It's all about up versus down. Right. The, the authoritarianism yeah, would obviously yeah. be up. The libertarianism would obviously yeah. be down. And we want to be free. Yeah. There's no, there's no point in splitting us down the middle. Um, but you know, I think that they, these elites try and feed civil disputes. Like civil war is better for them than a revolutionary war, right? They, that's the last thing they want. They don't yeah, want us rising up, right? No, the, la- the what what the authoritarians want more than anything else is they want for the average white guy in the street to look at the average black guy, the average brown guy, and for the average black guy, the average brown guy, to look at the white guy and for them to both see enemies. They want, the authoritarians want the average man in the street to be fighting the other average man in the street. The last thing the authoritarians want is for the working classes to come together as a single unit. That's why they're continually dividing us. Mm. And uh, the main way they do that is, is like I said, the left and right way. They've got um, 
you've got a bunch of working class people who don't benefit at all from cannabis prohibition, for example. But a lot of these people have been tricked into supporting cannabis prohibition on the grounds that that's our team. You know, that's we're on team conservative. And so we have to push for these particular uh, positions, whether it benefits us or not. And in the end, all of this trickery just benefits the authoritarians. It just benefits the ruling classes who want to keep us divided. Well, and that's another another point is that it's not just about skin color anymore, because I think a lot of people are starting to realize um, everyone has that little sense of tribalism inside them, you know, whether they want to admit it or not. Um, If you're white, you're inherently more comfortable around white people. You know what I mean? Just, I mean, it doesn't mean yeah. that you hate being around yeah, yeah. other people that are different colors, but just it's something programmed yeah, yeah. deep, deep, deep in your DNA that you're just more comfortable being around people that look like you. And I think that these elites absolutely yeah, yeah. know that. And so that's why they take things yeah, like yeah. Black Lives Matter, which it's mostly fucking white people, white chicks and white dudes that are supporting yeah. Black Lives Matter. I don't know many black people that support Black Lives Matter. Um, they take things like that, <laughs> and then and then they take Blue Lives Matter, and they take uh, you know the yeah. three percenters, and Antifa, and they take all these different, excuse yeah. me, they take all these different groups that you know it doesn't matter what color your skin is, if you if you align with Antifa, you're more on the left, and if you align with the three percenters yeah. or the fucking Proud Boys, you're more on the right, and so that's a different way to divide people. Yeah. So they're finding all these different, very very ingenious. I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due. This is a smart way to divide people up, dude. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, they've been doing this yeah, shit well, since the dawn of time. Well, they've been doing it ever since. Yeah, well, they've been doing it ever since Babylon. Really, you can go back 3,000 years to ancient Babylon, and that's when um, that's when they mostly come up with these schemes of particularly how to divide and conquer people to keep them suppliant and submissive. That's also where they came up with the idea of spreading fear through the population in order to keep them submissive more fearful people are, the less likely they are to take up arms against their oppressors. So, um, yeah, a lot of this is really old technology that's being used against us, 3,000 years at least, that um, they've been they've been scheming all these plans. So they know what to do. You know, they know how people operate and they know how easily we can be manipulated into hating those on our own side. And, well, you know what's sad, though, too, Vince, is like, you know, we haven't evolved much consciously or spiritually no. since the babylonian times no in fact i'd argue that we've gone backwards in a lot of ways like it's if you evolved, look at you say um, yeah 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 if you read for example plato you know like i was reading uh, plato's timaeus last year and he was talking about um reincarnation and he was talking about it as if it was just a commonly understood belief you know as if the average person in ancient athens took for granted that they were going to reincarnate into another form and i thought to myself this is actually more advanced than the level we're at today where we're mostly materialists you know most people are materialist scientists who believe that the brain generates consciousness and therefore that when the body dies that's the end of the story and game over you know you're extinguished and i think to myself we were actually more sophisticated and knowledgeable 2300 years ago when uh, plato and aristotle were holding court than what we are now just because why do you think that is do you think it's because they were the they were coming up with these ideas at the time and they were new and exciting or why do you think that would be? No, I think this is just part of how it all goes in cycles. I think uh, back when Plato and Aristotle and Socrates were around, that was the golden age. And then it fell. Um, we fell as we lost touch with uh, our old, our native, uh, the native European traditions. 
um, we fell into dark ages, perhaps a kind of dark age, like the ages from 400 AD to 1600 AD, for example. There's, uh, they were they were generally pretty terrible. So, um, you know, I think these things do just fluctuate. They just go up and down. That's just the path of history. And I think, um, like what Plato said was, when things get bad, the solution is to have a revolutionary uh, aristocratic movement where you have the philosopher kings, in other words, the genuine true thinkers, the the ones who can really use reason and logic. Uh, you have a, 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 a revolutionary vanguard of these people who come back to power. And in my opinion, that's what we need now. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it just... Um... It seems like the people that are going to be doing this are the people like Elon Musk, right? Where Elon Musk is, is yeah, making yeah. himself look like he is. Uh, I, I, I'm actually, I don't want to plant any ideas in your head. I'm sure that you're pretty, uh, you know, in, in touch with your beliefs on what Elon Musk yep. is and what these guys are. But I think that, he, in my opinion, I think Elon Musk is meant to look like the savior of free speech and of uh, the American yeah, Republic. Yeah. And, I mean, dude, his fucking grandfather was like the head technocrat in Canada when he was alive. You know what I mean? And and I mean, I just don't see how, you know, people can hear that and then think that this dude is on our side. Same thing with Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, a lot of these people, you know, these these elites, these Luciferian elites, right, that they're so fucking ahead of us. You know, we're playing checkers. They're playing chess. And they know they've infiltrated yeah. our communities, right? There's even people in this conspiracy podcast world that I'm very, very skeptical of. You know what I mean? Uh, everyone points oh, the finger. Me too. At, yeah, dude. I mean, everyone points a finger at Alex Jones. Uh, Joe Rogan has the yeah. biggest show in the world, so he takes a lot of heat. I don't know where they are. I have my ideas, but yeah. um, yeah, dude. It's like yeah. you know they 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 put these people up, and it seems like no matter which way. Uh, they just have all these, they have, you know, if we have five ways that we think that we're going to win, they've got six or seven ways where they can overcome that. You know what I mean? So I don't yes. know, man. I don't, I don't see how this goes any other way, but just down is, am, am I just overly pessimistic here? You think? No, I think that um, this is normal for people to think that because if you look around everywhere, you see the whole trend is for everything to go down. We're going down economically. We're going down politically. We're going down spiritually. We're going down emotionally. We're going down in mental health terms. You know, we're going down in pretty much every measurement that you could make. But um, <clears throat> like you see, the wisdom of the quadrigitu, it shows you that when you hit that lowest point, then the energy that takes you back up the far side starts to manifest itself again. And in my opinion, this will manifest as a new spiritual revolution. I think that we're actually going to see, we're going to see us going through that like over the next 100, 200 years. And you can see the origins of it already. And um, for example, on the West Coast now, it's... Uh, it's possible to take psilocybin mushrooms as part of a yeah. psychotherapy program. So uh, to my mind, that's extremely advanced. You know, like uh, if we're actually going back to the point of taking spiritual sacraments for psychotherapy, I think that um, this is the this is the, the seeds of a new spiritual age starting to come upon us. But don't you think, Vince, that <laughs> you're talking, of course, about the United States West Coast, correct? Yeah, that's right. So don't you think that it's possible... And this is the way that I see marijuana right now, that when when they make it legal, the government gets involved and they fuck with what's going on. I mean, we just had a massive thing here in, the, in Arizona, in my state, where a bunch of pesticide was found in recre- or in uh, medical marijuana. 
And it's like, dude, the whole point of the government yeah. getting involved with this shit is that that shit's not supposed to happen. You're supposed to make this safe for us. Yeah, yeah. You know, George Soros is yeah. heavily invested in medical marijuana. Um, I'm sure that he, okay. you know, if, if I were to look into it, I'm sure that I could find that he's connected to the psilocybin that's being pushed in Oregon, right? Um, I don't yeah, know, right. man. I, 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 It's a scary thought to me. Yeah, well, to me, I mean, I can see why it might be scary. But um, if I look at the current situation that we're in, if I look at the extreme uh, materialistic influence upon all of our thoughts and behaviors, I think um, the solution to that is is bringing back the old spiritual sacraments that uh, our people have used for thousands of years. Sure. Like um, the Indo-European people have been using psilocybin mushrooms for thousands of years as a spiritual sacrament to reconnect to God. And um, I think if that sort of thing came back, I think it would uh, help us out a lot. Because really the problem we're in is is we don't have too much spiritual knowledge. We've got too little. Like I said before, most people truly believe they are their bodies and that they're going to be extinguished when their body dies. And to me, that's um, that's just about the lowest possible level you can be at. So I think anything that takes us away from that is 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 good. I think that's um, that's the that's us going back upwards. Mm. So so where do you stand on the idea too? Where you know, if problems are going on outside your front door, um, you know, there's a lot of people that that see themselves as spiritual and all this stuff, and they don't like to pay attention to any of that negative stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Do you think that it's important yeah, yeah. to address those problems? Or do you think that that lowers your vibration and makes it so that, you know, you're not as effective as you could be, you know, putting your energy somewhere else? Oh, I think it's a bit of both. I think it's the sort of thing where the right balance has to be struck. I agree that you can okay. lower your vibration by dwelling too much on negative things. And I believe that a lot of people do do that, myself included. Like I know, I know for myself, yeah. I'm definitely prone to dwelling too much on negative things and making myself depressed. So um, that's something that I, I personally am challenged with overcoming. But um, I don't. Uh, I think that uh, you've also got to accept the fact you've got to accept reality. You've got to face up to reality, and reality is both good and bad. So if you're going to face up to reality, you have to acknowledge that there is an aspect of reality that is bad. There is an aspect of reality which is suffering, and that has to be accepted, really suffering suffering should be expected you think yeah i think um like buddha said the first noble truth of buddhism is that um, life is suffering so i think um it has to be accepted that the experience that we're having in this material plane that we call earth we have to accept that a certain amount of suffering is going to come along with this uh, experience but that doesn't mean that we have to dwell on that suffering to the extent that we become depressed so um i think it's a bit of a balance you know yeah, and and that kind of you know brings us almost full circle. Um, you know, I I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the book before we wrap up, but we kind of started this portion of the conversation, kind of talking about the Luciferianism and obviously your element elementalism. Um, yeah. Where where do you stand on that idea, man? That like you know Satan rules over this planet, or the devil, or dark rules over this planet, and maybe you know we're we're constantly being brought down. And we're supposed to try and rise above that in order to maybe like get to another plane, kind of playing in that whole Dante's Inferno thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I, I just I've heard a lot lately that, you know, this is the devil's planet 
and God doesn't really yeah. uh, interact with us much here or whatever creator there is. There's a great line, and I, I've quoted this in a previous episode. I think it's from the right with Anthony Hopkins, where you know he's this dude that's been a priest for a long time, and he's talking to a new priest that's up and coming and shit, and he's he's telling this young guy, um, you know, I've been a priest for you know my entire adult life, and I've seen the devil so many more times than I've seen God. I've never seen God, but I've seen the devil over and over again. Right. And it's like, right. you know, I I know that that's a movie, but I think that there's a lot of really, you know, interesting quotes in movies. And man, it's just, yeah, yeah. I can relate to that. I can, I've seen a lot more evil and I, I maybe it's me focusing on the evil more. Um, it seems like you have absolutely seen some evil and you've observed it and you've written a, a pretty incredible seeming book based off of this evil, but yeah. you kind of make it in a goofy fashion, right? Because all that you can do is laugh when, when life's kicking you in the dick. So it's like, yeah, yeah that's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know where you stand on that, dude. Do you think that we're kind of in like some element of hell or some negative space? Yeah, well, in Elemental Elementalism, it actually states specifically that this world is one of the hell realms. Okay. And that we know that this is one of the hell realms because we grow old and we get sick and we die. Like we must die. None of us can escape this place without going through death. And um, in Elementalism, that's considered that this particular world is of a, a reasonably low frequency. It's not as low as you can go. You can go a lot lower than this. Sure. Things can get much worse than this, but this world is not one of the heaven realms. So um, that's, that's a fact, but on the, on, at the same time, it has to be accepted that um, you can't, uh, or in my opinion, it's a mistake to just say no to the world and to say no to the world and to say that it's purely evil. And this is where I disagree with the Christian conception of the world being, for example, Satan's playground where evil rules. Mm. Now, I know that there's a lot of evil here, but to my mind, the focus is on what we have inside of us, which is the non-material, which is the spiritual, and maintaining that at the highest possible frequency so that we can resonate above all the equal, uh, above all the evil. Now, that might not mean that we get to change the nature of this world, but what it does mean or what it should mean is that after our deaths, we can reincarnate in a higher, a higher world, a higher part of reality. So I think if you can, if you can, if you can avoid dwelling on all the evils in the world, then you won't get sucked back down to the same hell realm after your death. If you can... All right, guys, if you made it through that first music break, this is the real one. If you want to support the show further, head over to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast that's how you can support my work you can get full episodes for three dollars only and also a lot of extra content for five or ten dollars depending on what you are able to contribute i always appreciate every single one of you hopping over there over there at the patreon guys thank you so much Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.